Blog Talk Radio. Tundra, 
Minneapolis, <laughs> Minnesota, Mr. Brother Thomas Berry. What's going on, Brother Berry? Man, nothing much, brother. Just out here enjoying a cold spring. <laughs> well, I don't even know why they call it spring there because you guys, like, just have winter with a little bit of summer. And then here in Vegas, we get winter with a whole lot of summer. So almost just the opposite. Exactly, exactly. I, I need I need some of y'all life. That's what I need. Well, brother, if we could somehow merge the two, we would be the bomb because we would have it all. But, you know, everybody, it's been a while since I've been back on the air. And, uh, you know, many of you may not know I am actually running for office here in Nevada. I'm actually running for Nevada's fourth congressional seat. And you talking about busy and running. This homeboy is busy and running. So, it's been a while since I've done the show. I'm a little rusty. One way you can tell is I scheduled the show for 15 minutes instead of 30, 90, or two hours. So we're going to be short. But Brother Barry wanted – I posted something yesterday, and it got my attention. And Brother Barry says, Rod, if you're going to do a show, let's, uh, let me on and let's, let's hit this thing together. So without any further ado, the title of our show today is billionaires earned enough money to end extreme poverty seven times over. Billionaires mm. earned enough money to end extreme poverty seven times over. And that was just in 2017. Ain't that something? Ain't that something? But you know what that speaks to, Brother Rodney? If that speaks to what was going on during the Obama administration when the corporations decided to take at least uh, $1.3 trillion out of the economy. And they were taking this money out to affect the economy in ways that was supposed to have a negative political impact on Barack Obama. And what they learned is that the American people are very resilient. And what do I mean by that? Well, capitalism has, has you being resilient. You see your coworker losing their jobs. You know that they barely can struggle to pay the mortgage. You know they're losing their cars. What you're going to do is you're going to pick up that slack at work because of fear. You're going to be you're going to get immune to doing double the work, triple the work, so that you can just have enough to make it by. So what the American people did was, and what the uh, corporations found out is, hey, we don't have to hire all these people because we can overwork our employees. We can uh, hold back wages. And we can make more money on our end because we can get bigger uh, parachute packages is what they call it, right, Brother Rodney? That's when they're getting ready to go, and uh, they get right. more stake in the, uh, more stock in the company, or they get more uh, cash buyouts. So what, what we see here is that uh, the people at the top is hoarding all the cash, and that's not good for the American economy, and it's not good for the world at all. Well, I'm glad you said that because that makes a great segue into I want to just give out a couple of statistics here. The richest 1% now own more of the country's wealth than in any time in the past 50 years. Now, I've been on this planet over 50 years, but 50 years there was somewhat parity. Things were better. As a matter of fact, 50 years ago, the economy was starting to move up. People were moving up. People were going from the poor to the middle class. Today, 
people are going from the middle class to the poor, working poor and to the poor. And Brother Barry hit the nail on the head. Believe it or not, a lot of it has to do with taxes. And this sort of started a little bit with Richard Nixon, but it really kicked in full swing with Ronald Reagan. But Ronald Mm -hmm. Reagan didn't have nothing, didn't have nothing on our current president. He just passed roughly a 1.4, see the 1.4, 1.6 billion dollar tax giveaway to the richest people in this country. And what's so odd about this particular tax giveaway is that the rich will get more tax breaks than the poor, and the poor will actually wind up long-term paying more than before the tax break. Ain't that something? Ain't that something? But but you know what, Brother Rodney? This is what happens when you live in a country uh, that allows, and, and this is part of the American people, uh, the citizens, this is part of our issue. When we watch our cable news, most of the people that we see on cable news are very wealthy people. Uh, most of the t- these politicians that we are electing, you know, they are very wealthy. This is why I'm happy that Brother Rodney is running. I'm also happy that Brother Rodney keeps our own voices going, whether it's in print or whether it's on these radio shows. And the reason being is that common folk need to start championing common folk. We got to get out of this idea. We, we got the perfect president for those of us who champion the rich. And when we talk about the top 1%, we are not talking about the Jay-Z's. We're not talking about the Puff Daddies. We're not talking about those guys. They're not even in that. They're not a, a part of that, uh, that group of people. They're maybe in the next two to three tiers down. Am I right, Brother Rodney? Oh, for sure. As a matter of fact, what we're talk- the, the article is talking about billionaires. We're not talking about millionaires. Jay-Z don't have a billion dollars yet. As a matter of fact, there are very few black people in the world that have a billion dollars. We're really just, we're talking about almost all white people, minus Oprah and Michael Jordan. And, and so so when we, when we think about that and we talk about that and we say, well, man, look at all this money. And the thing that I want the listeners to think about is, here's ways that we have to be intentional and impactful in our day-to-day lives. Uh, we have to look at what we've been told as well compared to what wealth is. Uh, The best way to counter that is to be intentional in what we invest in. Uh, We have to invest in our children. And when I say invest in our children, we have to invest in the imaginations of our children because you have to look at tech. We have to look at inventions. We have to look at cures. We have to look at ways that you can create business for you and your family. And our youth, believe it or not, they have some of the ideas. They still have that imagination to create, and that is rich. A lot of what we don't understand that people capitalize from us is our intellectual capital. Uh, if you look at a lot of these Fortune 500 corporations, while we may not be the face behind the corporations, we're either the face behind the, the product uh, design or we're probably the face behind the marketing of the products. 
But we have a lot to do with uh, putting a lot of money in the hands of these billionaires. We're just not being intentional in practice and putting putting it back into our hands where we can uh, get the majority of this cash. Now, I want to give out a couple of more statistics for you all out there. If you divided the people up into fifths, you would find that the second to the bottom, in other words, the fourth quintile of people actually have zero wealth, zero. Mm. And then if you go to the bottom of the quintile, the bottom 20%, they actually are minus. Mm. Now let that sink in. Now the people who are just above that, the middle class, those right in the middle, they're not doing much better. They actually have about, you could say, 2% of the, of the wealth. So you can see that even those who we would say are middle class, they're, they're doing okay, they're barely doing okay because mm. the top 40% of people in America, you know what, you can go to top 20% of the income earners in America own about 80% of America. The top Mm. 1% owns about 90% of America. And the greatest disparity of wealth in the world today is America, not someplace overseas. Mm. And you know what that's from, Rodney? That's from these trust fund babies getting access to, to Wall Street. Uh, and, you know, America, I've always said this, and I know a lot of uh, people in the conscious community like to argue with me about this, but I always say uh, we have a different type of upper class. Uh, their predecessors understood that you can't starve the people at the bottom because by starving the people at the bottom, for one, it is a national security risk. That's the first thing. Let's, let's talk in the nation, nation building, Right. You can't have so many people poor and in debt because that's bad for our national security. It's bad when you already see. Uh, it's bad when you see uh, possibly people inside of the White House and his cabinet uh, possibly selling out the country to the Russians. But it gets worse when you think about the aspect, Brother Rodney, of the people at the bottom. Uh, and, uh, you know, when, when you when you think about that and you say, man, uh, we got these things, man. We, if you, I just want, if you can call in real quick and you got ideas, uh, we got 15 seconds to go. Give us a call real quick so we can uh, wrap with you if you're on the line. I, I want to make sure we get you in there, and then I can go from there. Yeah, the, uh, the thing about, and for those, uh, once the call's in, we're going to try to keep, keep the show going for a little while. We'll see how long we can do that. But Okay. I want you all to understand out there that there is a finite amount of money in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on how you look at wealth, there is about, in actual coinage, dollars, there is not much more than about, uh, Americans have about $5 trillion. That's actual coinage. The rest of the world has roughly the same thing, just to show you how wealthy America is compared to the rest of the world. 
But when you look at values like savings accounts, check-ins accounts, investment, things like that, you'll find that we have about $80 trillion. Not real money, but you can use it as money. And money is kind of made up anyway, right? But if you look at just the actual amount of money, coinage that we're dealing with, and how much America has, and how much these billionaires have. Now, remember, we're making billionaires at a rate today greater than almost maybe any time in history. A new billionaire Mm -hmm. is made roughly every two to three days. A new billionaire is made roughly every two to three days. Now, these new billionaires, when they get that money, you can only spend, buy so many houses, so many cars, so many yachts, until you have so much of it that even that no longer has much meaning to you. So the mm-hmm. rest of the money that these billionaires have, the money is not in circulation. The money is stagnant. Well, if the money is stagnant, not in circulation, guess what that means for the rest of us who would like to get more money? It is not there to get. No, that's that, that's certainly true. You know, here's the thing, and I know you know you're running uh, for uh, office. I think you you said something about the president and these tax cuts, and I think that one of the one of the things that we have to understand as American citizens. As when they talk tax cuts, because we don't see it as money on our table or it's not physically in our hand, we have to understand that these things come with consequence. And the consequence, uh, Brother Rodney, you can speak to this, is a, a lot of times it falls heavily on those on the bottom, and even those in the middle takes a large punch. So when you say you're giving corporations a large tax break, and then you try to follow up and say, but that's going to put money back into the hands of Americans. That is not true. Am I right, Brother Rodney? So one of the greatest myths out there that, believe it or not, poor people buy into is that when companies make more money, wages, salaries go up. Actually, far from the truth. When companies make more money, they're making money oftentimes because of the productivity of the workforce. Well, if the workforce is productive and they're making the money and providing the demand for the uh, supply for the demand, then they have no need to hire new people. So the first myth about companies will hire more people. No, companies have, they hire who they need. Right. That that need is by supply and demand. And then That's right. they pay their employees basically what the market will bear. So in, right now, people want jobs. So because people want jobs, it's really an employer's market, not an employee's market. So employers actually can bargain downward instead of employees having the power to bargain upward. So if you look at the scale of the top income earners, you would see that the top income earners have earned dramatically more over the last 20 years. 
And then, of course, if you do it 50 years, even more than that. But if you look at the average worker, you will see that their income has stagnated or has actually gone down. So do you wonder where are the rich getting their money from? The rich aren't getting Mm. their money from other rich people. The rich people Mm. are getting their money from the middle class and poor people. So the next time you hear a person argue about transferring wealth from rich to poor, just show them the, the slide of how the poor are getting poorer, the middle class are getting poorer, and the rich have gotten dramatically richer. And what they call that, Brother Rodney, is a redistribution of wealth. Which, That's right. When, Doc, when Dr. King, speaking of, uh, uh, you know, when they talk about the spreading of other people's money, when Dr. King was asking for the redistribution of wealth, he was talking about how in the Midwest the middle class was created by the government who did a redistribution of land and wealth. And what we are seeing today is the same government is redistributing wealth to the people who are paying for the people that Brother Rodney will be running up against his political uh, competition. This is what this is what's happening to not only uh, accommodate folks, but even to democracy in America. So we have to take a look at what's going on here because this is a full out assault on the liberties of all Americans. Because when you start redistributing redistributing the wealth, and only the top is having money, uh, I don't know as many people out there have seen that movie Demolition Man by uh, Wesley Snipes and St- Sylvester Stallone, but. We're not close to that level, but it can get that. That's not far-fetched. When you think about generations of people who don't know anything about struggle because they are using the redistribution of wealth from the federal government to make their businesses stand alone. Uh, We are having a lot of robber barons being born again, and that's something uh, when Brother Rodney said 50 years ago the economy was changing, that was because we were just making making it out of the era that was happening in the 1920s and the 1930s and 40s, and we were just breaking even. And when I say we, I'm talking about the American economy. Not all Americans were there, but at the same time, uh, if you're African-American or you're at the bottom, the one thing that you have to understand is when this country catches a cold, you catch the flu. And we were coming out of that sickness because everybody was starting to gain more wealth and when you start having this tax redistribution, it start affecting education. We've seen the uh, collapse inside of Florida with the road. Listen, we don't have the top engineers working inside of uh, public works anymore. They can't afford it because they're cutting back on that stuff. So when you start seeing the infrastructure of the country crashing, when we start seeing the politicians being bought off, when we start seeing these rich oligarchs running for political seats, uh, owning the uh, – only the media. These are the things that happen when the redistribution of wealth takes place. And I want to say this one more time. The people that we as African Americans and poor whites think who are rich, the entertainers, the athletes, the people that if we were back in Rome, Brother Rodney, they would be considered slaves. Am I right? Yes. The, The wealth inequity is tremendous and it's almost at historic levels. So, so we can't get caught up in the people that are putting on uh, uh, the show for us. 
because they're nothing more but just paid entertainment. Their wealth is minimal compared to the people we're talking about. Jay-Z is not making nowhere near uh, what uh, Bill Gates is making or what uh, – what's my man named uh, from Berkshire uh, that uh, President Obama used to use? Warren Buffett. Jay-Z is not making as much money as he is, and part of the issue that we have collectively, if we're talking about our, we're talking about our people and our culture, the biggest issue that we have, Brother Rodney, is we are we suffer from an issue of we like to deal in way too much inside of uh, what we call uh, <laughs> trivial wealth. And what do I mean by trivial wealth? I mean the kind of wealth where it's really not a lot of money that you're making. It's not a lot of money that you're taking in. It's it's, it's pretty simple money. Uh, it's it's because he got a nice car, or because he got some jewelry. That's not wealth to these billionaires we're talking about. When they talk about wealth, and they talk about increasing wealth, what they're talking about is uh, making sure that you are owning real estate, making sure that you're owning uh, beyond the corporations, but minerals. Uh, you know things things that are that are generational things that you pass on. These are these billionaires will be billionaires to come. And the only way, like I said before, to combat that if you're on the bottom is for one, we need to be creative, but at the same time, we have to be uh, we have to be worried on how we spend the little capital and wealth that we got. We have to start investing more properly in things that allow us to pass money down to our children. Life insurance policies are one of them. On top of life insurance policies, we got to make sure that we have a, a long uh, we, we are taking care of our bodies, and we're taking care of our minds. Because if you die nine times out of ten, you might be leaving debt behind to your children, and that's going to make it harder for them to climb out of that uh, that hole. You know, you mentioned uh, Dr. King, and just uh, a few days ago, we celebrated, uh, well, we recognized the 50th anniversary of the assassination of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. And we had right. a candlelight vigil here. We had the radio station. I was out there at the uh, statue. And a lot of people came out. And Dr. King was moving away from some of the things that he had said previously into another era, and he was working hard on the poor man's campaign. And what many folks may not know is that Dr. King initially had turned down going to Memphis uh, because he was so busy working on the poor man's campaign and he really felt that that's where his efforts needed to go, is basically using human capital to go to the Capitol, to camp out at the Capitol, and then demand that the occupants of the seats of power at the Capitol would do something and implement programs and laws that would help raise up the poorest in this nation. That's what, and that's where he was before he got assassinated, before he went to Memphis. And, of course, as you all know, he went to Memphis, and that was his last trip before he made his trip to glory, for those who believe. What Dr. King realized is that politics and laws are only a pathway, but it is not the end of the trip. That's right. And he... He also learned that many corporations, as a matter of fact, most corporations, make their money through some form of governmental assistance. 
So when you hear people say that uh, we're self-made or our hard work and risk created the wealth that we have in our company and our corporations, well, again, Mm. that's simply not true because the beginning of wealth in this country was made Mm. on the backs, literally, of Africans who later became African-American. So that's number one. Number two, one of the reasons why at the new African-Americans, formerly Africans, struggle so much with generating wealth is that we started playing a game of Monopoly where the opponent owns the bank and owns every piece on the board. Now, you try to play a game of Monopoly where you don't start out with $1,500. You don't. You start out with nothing except a roll of the dice, and the first place you land on, the first property you land on, you have to pay rent because someone else already owns it, and it might be mm. property that you helped clear and build the structures on for the owner, who more than likely his ancestors got that land for free, simply mm. for coming over to the new world. So when people say, I am self-made, our European brothers and sisters, no, they're lying. They're not exaggerating. Mm. They're actually lying. And when they say, well, we worked hard to build this up, they worked hard Mm. forcing us to work for them to generate Mm. that wealth. Then they Mm. worked hard to pass laws once we were free to prevent Mm. us from taking part in what was left. Mm. So, no, we're not lazy. As a matter of fact, we are the most productive group of people. They made their Mm. wealth off of our productivity. It was not the so-called immigrants of today that built this country. It was the Africans and later African-Americans that built this country. Then it was those same African-Americans that maintained what they built until they were pushed out of that by immigrants who used to not even be considered Caucasian like the Irish, like the Italian, like even right. Jews. None of them were considered Caucasian. They were, they were allowed into, <laughs> into the exclusive club of whiteness as the population of blacks increased in this country due to the ending of slavery and Africans getting their citizenship. So I just want folks to know that we've always worked in this country. We're still working when we can, but when you start out on a monopoly board where your opponent owns the bank and all the property as well as has all the cash and you have nothing, it makes it pretty hard to be successful. That is very true, brother. And you know the one thing that that always um, always makes me laugh is when I hear how other people talk about how they came with nothing. And I was having a discussion today with a uh, woman who was a uh, immigrant from the Middle East, and she was telling me about how her family came over and they only had three cans of food, and they had this and they had that. And what I explained to her was, just imagine you had a choice to come. We had no choice, and even with that no choice to come. We didn't have a choice to work. 
And not only after that, we, we, we did have a – once we did get a choice to work, we didn't have a choice to work for great salaries. And then after we did all that work without the choice, and then the choice to not get great salaries, and then we got people that came over from other places that like where your family came from, and they said that they only had three cans of food, but they were chasing us off the jobs that we were working for a little bit of nothing at all. On top of all of that, we had to pay for every place that we stayed, right? We didn't get no inheritance to live anywhere, right? And on top of that, we got chased out of those places. So everything that we've created everything that we worked hard for, everything that anyone can try to call us out about. We put our time in. We worked hard. We've been uh, most respectful out of all the citizen bases. That I mean, yeah, we got crime, but everyone else has crime as well. But we've been very respectful compared to other groups when it comes to this country. And when you look at the redistrib- redistribution of wealth, anytime the redistribution happens, we get villainized the most. We get villainized because they'll say that the money's going to us for welfare. Or they'll look at us and say the crime is the reason why money's not going into the inner city. But when you look beneath the layers and you look beneath all of the jargon and you look at that redistribution of wealth, what happens is it's to widen the separation, to widen the separation between the city and the suburbs, to widen the separation between the have and the have-nots. And in this instance, what we're seeing, especially with this president here, this guy who was left over $275 million by his father, that's what he had as an inheritance. He doesn't know what it's like to go without. Even when he filed bankruptcy, it's not like he's homeless. It's not like Brother Roddy, he had to go get a nine-to-five job. He doesn't understand it. And as much as he talks like he understands everyday people, as much as the media says that he understands everyday people, he does not. And unfortunately, uh, over 80% of the politicians in this country do, do not understand so when I've got my people in, in Vegas and they say, why do you vote for Brother Rodney Smith? Because Brother Rodney Smith understands. He understands. This is why you vote for people like him, because you need the, the redistribution of wealth to work in your favor. You don't need to go hire these. Uh, and when I say hire, I mean vote for these people who don't really understand where you're coming from. You don't whatsoever, because what they've shown time and time again in this country as well as in this world is that any time they can take from the poor, they will. They have no issue with robbing the poor. Uh, not only do they have no issue with robbing the poor, but if you think about what happened after the Great Recession, when the financial markets were take, brought to their knees and they went begging uh, to D.C. and President Obama get through them a lifeline. Now, I wasn't upset that he threw them a lifeline. What did disturb me was when that lifeline that he threw them imperiled the working class people because the financial institutions were then allowed to charge fees where they weren't allowed to charge fees before to help them Mm. replenish their losses. Well, Mm. not only did they repay the loans that the government, AKA the people of America gave them, but they never stopped charging those fees that helped them have their speedy recovery. And they're still Mm. charging us those fees today. So that means Mm. that they're making money at a rate quicker than they did before the Great Recession. And it's the poor people, it's the middle class who are facilitating that, hence a much larger share of the pie already going to the rich before the Congress, with the president signing it, gave them this mm. huge 1.4 however many trillion dollar tax cut. 
Now, when they got mm. this tax cut, it was said that they were going to get, put this money back into the economy. Well, they had the uh, chief econ- uh, I think it was Gary Cohn at the time, on TV with a bunch of some of the top executives in the country. And he says, how many of you all are going to put, reinvest this money into your company and give your people a pay raise? I think like mm. four hands of about 30 people, four hands went up. And even he was embarrassed about it and tried to aid them on. And I think he got another hand up. So then the president touted that some companies said that they were going to give their employees a $1,000 bonus, $1,000. Now, $1,000 is $1,000, and if you don't have it, of course, you'd be happy to get that $1,000, right? But think about this. First of all, those companies have yet to give their people that $1,000 bonus. That's the first thing. Mm. The second thing is that some of those corporations gave out hundreds of thousands and millions of dollar bonuses to individuals in the management and in the capitalist class. So how do you justify $1,000 to an employee who's already underpaid and you give 100000 to mm. certain managers, but you give, right. which is 100000 uh, which is uh, uh a hundred times more, but then you give a million dollars or multiple millions of dollars to other people. Look at the, the disparity in wealth. They got trillions in income, and they gave back $1,000, or they promised to give back $1,000 per employee, and they have not increased hiring beyond the levels that were predicted before they had the great tax giveaway. Something is not right with that picture. Mm. You know what? I'll I tell you this, and this is something else too, because what we have done as the, peop- the people on the bottom is we turn inwards on each other. And what I'm saying about that is this. It's amazing to me when we start hearing people call each other broke and we start talking about people who don't have wealth when we start talking about people who don't have this, that, and the other when it comes to economics, and that's when I understand that people have a political knowledge deficit. And what I mean by that is if you look at this country and you look at what everyone is going through, uh, no one – no, uh, the majority of the people that's talking about who's broke and who's not broke because the wealthy don't really call people broke. They don't have time for it. They're too busy counting their money and enjoying their life. But the people that call other people broke don't even understand that they're broke. And we have so many of us that are a few paychecks away from being homeless, one paycheck away from being homeless, that we don't understand that a lot of our habits is feeding the beast. A lot of the things that are, a lot of our behaviors is feeding this beast. And what I mean by that is it's costly the way that we live. You know, Brother Rodney, I go in the club sometimes, uh, and, and I'm always amazed, Brother, how I can walk into a club and see people, uh, see people paying for bottles of liquor. Right, <laughs> that will cost them twenty dollars in their local liquor store. But since they're in the club, brother, it's okay to pay seventy five dollars for that bottle. Think about that. Wow, seventy five dollars for something that normally would cost you twenty dollars. Right, and then you think about that. And then I just saw a, I just saw a article uh, with some of these. We, we were talking about the uh, Jay Z's and the Puffies, 
And in this article, they were talking about how these expensive liquors that they're paying $75 a bottle for inside of the club are nothing more but mere table wine, meaning they're nothing Mm -hmm. but the $5, $6, $7 wine, uh, the grapes that they would use to make that wine that you buy inside of the stores at the grocery store or in gas stations in certain parts of the South. They're charging you four or five times the dollar amount already, even if you're spending $20 for it at the stores at home. So my point to all of us is this. This is a people problem. Eisenhower was right about the military complex, but he also understood that the robber barons had to be stopped. We don't use the term robber barons enough. And that's how we ended up with a robber baron for president. We have to get back to using, because I, I like listening to Brother Rodney talk, because Brother Rodney, if you can listen to him talk and you can understand that with his vocabulary, that he was not educated in uh, the 70s uh, on up. And what I mean by educated was that's not when he started school. Brother Rodney has a vast vocabulary. Brother can tell you the root of words, the Latin roots of words, right? Because that was part of how he was brought up, and that's how he was taught. That's what's wrong with education now. We don't know the root of words. We don't even know the root of our behavior. And once we understand the root of our behavior and the root of these words, and we understand who people are, not the names that they give themselves, not the guy from The Apprentice, not the CEO who told you he made his own way, but when you understand the root of how people got their starts, when you understand the root of the definition of words, then we would understand better as the citizen base on how to deal with these issues. And if I'm wrong, Brother Rodney, stop me. No, actually, these are not cosmic problems. They're, they're quite simple. If you, why does a business pay a lobbyist six figures annually to go and mm. buy, take Congress people out to dinner and just mm. talk with them? Well, the reason why they do it is because it's of the ROI, return of investment. That $100,000 that they or $200,000 that they paid to that lobbyist, that sometimes $20,000 or $10,000 that are donated to a PAC or that $5,400 of a personal donation to a political campaign may earn mm. that business owner millions or or in some cases billions of dollars by the laws that that elected official passes or a group Mm. of elected officials pass because they don't lobby just one elected official. They lobby multiple elected officials, and they lobby them on both sides of the aisle. Now, I'm Mm. running a nonpartisan candidacy because I don't want to represent either side of the aisle. I want to represent the people, and the people are not partisan. The people are just the people, and they need nonpartisan representation for the needs of the people, not the needs of the party. And I've heard many people say that African Americans just their own party. Well, you do what you want to do, but I would suggest to you that if you really want to get people's attention, become nonpartisan and start talking about your needs. The reason why I say start talking about your needs, because you are a constituency group. And just like the unions, just like women, 
just like veterans, just like LGBTQ, QPAI, you are a constituency group that have needs that are unique to yourself. And I can tell you that when I ran the first time as a Democrat, the Democrats told me that I could not talk about black needs. I could not talk about a black agenda. These were Democrats. So some of their policies were right, and you could only use union print shops. Well, but there's no black union-owned print shops. Well, if you, use, if you use one of those print shops that doesn't have that union bud on it, then we will make sure that you are primaried by another Democrat that we will support. Mm. So I said, so what you're telling me is, is that my mom and pop minority business or black-owned print shop out there will have its, its growth hampered because they won't be able to take place in the political uh, period going on right now because they're not union. And since most union shops are owned by white people, you Democrats are telling me as a black man, a candidate, mm running for mm. a seat that has the majority of black people in the state in it, that mm. those black-owned businesses, it's okay if they starve while we further mm. enrich white-owned businesses. So my brothers mm. and sisters, what I'm saying to you is learn the game. Learn mm. the game. I got mm. involved with mm. politics partly to learn more about it. And I can tell you that the things that I learned about it almost made me wish I did not know because I saw mm. how much we're being taken advantage of, not just by the one party that you may think, but by both parties. Mm. Say that again, brother. Say that again. And you know what, brother Rodney? I, I, I'm glad you brought up, you know, the, the, the politics because I was just reading something about what was going on in uh, Memphis with the family that owned the trash company and how they became these billionaires after Dr. King's death. And part of the reason why Dr. King was murdered was because of them, because they were upset that he was striking and it was costing them. He had the, he wasn't striking, but he was supporting the workers who were striking and they wanted that to stop. But, you know, the mafia wanted to stop and how these people are making billions upon billions of, of dollars in Memphis still to this day. So we have to keep this in mind that when it comes to politics, uh, that it's a, it's a dirty game. I have a question for you, Brother Rodney, and this is a question that I, I like to ask all politics. I mean politicians, even though you're not a politician, you just run for office. But do you think, Brother, with – I remember John McCain stopped. He, he had the no pork bill, right? And I right. remember the no, the, the no pork bill was supposed to uh, – be in place so that we can have fiscal responsible uh, p- policies. Do you think that that helped run the politicians into the hands of the corporations? And, and let me explain why I'm saying that. It's because if it was a official who was responsible for a district in Las Vegas and he had to bring home the bacon to his constituents, right? He had right, to make sure right. that the local hospital got funded for a wing, a cancer wing that they really want. Oh, he had to make sure that a manufacturing company got millions of dollars to make sure that they had jobs to keep the economy going. Wouldn't he be able to be more responsible um, to his constituents 
if there was pork spending versus no pork spending. And by the way, you can just pass these tax breaks and you can pass these other laws to make sure that these corporations get more dollars. What do you think about that? Well, the, the, uh, it's kind of a mixed bag, to be honest with you, uh, because okay. the, if, and one of the things I'm going to ask all of you that's listening to this, I want you to cut out some time in your week, even if it means you have to burn a couple of vacation days, because I think it's worth it as instruction and part of your citizens, your citizenhood, to go visit your legislature. Go sit in a few days on a legislative session. And the reason why I want you to do that is because I want you to see how much money is given away to corporations in your state by your legislators. Mm. So Mm. pork actually has not gone away. It may have changed hands into who is slinging the most pork right now, but Mm. pork has not gone away. You will see a lot of the pork being distributed amongst business people, you actually see laws that will affect maybe one business that will get a contract from the, from the state worth millions or hundreds of millions of dollars. So this is not necessarily a legislative problem primarily. It, it is a problem. But the problem actually lies in the citizens who allow mm. these things to happen and because they don't understand the game. In other words, they are spectators. They're sitting on the sidelines. They may clap from time to time, but they're actually not in the game. And being right. in the game does not mean just voting. And voting is very important, but you, you must know what your needs are. And you must vote for or get candidates who will support your needs. Imagine your candidate is a running back, and the ball is your need. Mm. Well, when you give that candidate the ball, your need, you're wanting him to get a touchdown. That's, that's the goal. Move the ball up the field closer to the goal post, right? That's the idea. Right. And then if you need to do some blocking, to ensure that your running back has a clear path to move the ball further, then that's what you will do. That's how you're part of the game. Well, we are on. We are spectators in the stands, while businesses, mm. corporations, people of power are actually on the field playing the game, and they're giving their running back the ball of their need, and they are doing a lot of blocking to ensure that he or she scores a touchdown each time. We have to be in the game. Right. Right, right. No, and you know what? And that's, and that's the main thing, too. Uh, we have to know. We have to know the game. And this is why it's important for our citizens to know is because we're the bosses. And when we talk about why terrorism Oh, brother, exists, say it again. We are the bosses. Say that again. Oh, man, the citizens are the bosses. And, you know, Donald Trump ain't king. And this is the problem that I've always said, even when we talk about the police as civil servants, is that you got to realize it's civil servants, meaning you're serving the citizens. And if you're not serving 
when you're not serving your boss, you can't just walk into your job and be disrespectful to your to your boss. Or you can't be working at, at your job and being counterproductive to what your boss needs. So the citizens have to understand that. We don't have to wait on the Congress to do anything. Matter of fact, we can start recalling Congress members right now if we wanted to, if we said we wanted to make change. Uh, there's a lot of things that we can do in this country that is not being done, but we have to understand the game. We have to understand how these billionaires are able to exist. We have to understand that if the economy collapses again, that we can't bail out the corporations. We can't bail out the banks, nor should we want to. It should just be simply, hey, you know what? It's time to usher in a new era. We need the fat cats, uh, in my opinion, brother, to uh, take a seat because what they're doing, not only to this country but to this world, is going to be uh, it's going to be destructive for generations to come. And what we need is we need a healthy world. We need a viable world. We need everybody, uh, but we definitely need the people in this country first to be able to be viable. And when I'm talking to my African American brothers and sisters, and I'm always explaining to them that we need to look up and understand that everybody else is playing tribal games. Uh, these are these are if you look at the wealth numbers and look at our numbers, we are not moving. And the reason why we're not moving is because we're not understanding the game. We're playing, right? That's why we buy that, that, that cheap table wine, Brother Rodney, for an expensive price. We're playing the game, but we're not understanding the rules. As a matter of fact, we didn't even read the rules. A lot of us haven't. You know, we just go off feelings and emotion. And what the billionaires say, well, I like that feeling. Well, you going to put that on Facebook, how you feel? Well, let me buy that data. Let me manipulate that data. See, they feel this way. So let me go ahead and give them how they feel. Oh, you feel? Oh, you feel real good now, huh? Oh, you feel real bad? Well, let me let me let me uh let me add on to your fears. See, just like if you uh you, you know when you got a virus, brother Rodney, on your computer, you know the right. trick of the virus is to ask you to buy other malware software so you can add more viruses mm-hmm. to your computer. And that's, that's kind of right. what's going. That's what's kind of going on with these billionaires. They understand that the people on the bottom don't understand how they got to the bottom. They don't. They they don't. Under, they know that they don't understand that. Hey, man, this money is coming from the federal government. So you say, forget the federal government. No, you need to pay attention to the federal government. Before you sit down at, at your house and you watch Housewives of Atlanta, before you sit down and watch the NBA games or the NFL games, before you watch Sports Center, before you sit down and you play video games with your children, even. What you need to do is be understanding politics. Understand, you don't have to just watch CNN or MSNBC or Fox. You can go ahead. I mean, the beautiful thing about the world right now is it's an informational highway. You can go back and look at old tapes, old speeches, and you can find out how we got here. And you also can find out how we can get out of it. But we have to be vigilant because these billionaires, when they say they want it all, Brother Rodney, they want it all. Every last drop. And, you know, I, I want to, I just want to draw a picture for you all. If you look at the three richest people currently in the country today, I believe it's Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, and Warren Buffett. I believe those are the three richest Americans. I want you to look at their picture closely, and I want you to look at their clothes. I want you to look at their hand, look around their neck. And the reason why, you can even look at their hair. What you'll find is that for sure they don't have expensive haircuts. If you look around Mm -hmm. their neck, 
I don't think you'll see any of them wearing a necklace of any type. If you look at their hand, they may have two rings. One of them will be a wedding ring because they're married. And one of them may be a ring from whatever university or school that they graduated from. That's about it when it comes to jewelry. Mm. When you look at Warren Buffett's car, it is not a limousine. It's not a Range Rover. It's, it's none of those. Uh, so what I'm, the, the image that I'm trying to show, now these are people who have more money than they could count in a lifetime if they had to manually count it. As a matter of fact, mm. their grandchildren and grandchildren's children still couldn't count it in their lifetimes if they had to. As a matter of mm. fact, in the time it took for them to count it, they would make even more money that they couldn't count. So what I'm saying to you is it's what they do with their money. See, they don't have to show people that they're rich. They don't have to show people that they're well-off or middle class or, in their case, the capital class. They don't have to do that. I doubt if any of them own Jordans or any of those others. They may. I doubt it because that's not where their head is. And so we need a paradigm shift of thinking. I know some people have mixed feelings about the movie Black Panther, but I say we need a Wakanda mind of thinking. And what I mean by that is meaning that we have the majority of what we need ourselves. We don't have to go outside of us to build us up. We have what we need to build us up. As a matter of fact, I will say this. Most people in this country who have businesses and corporations have made their wealth off of us. Most immigrants who have come to this country have made their wealth off of the African American. So if other groups can come into this country and become rich off of us, that means that we should be able to become rich off of us, with us. We don't have to go outside. This is on us. We cannot expect other people to come in and save us. Jesus is not going to save us in this because he gave us free will. And if we get that money at tax time and we want to spend it going to the club and buying those new clothes that are going to wear out, that new jewelry that who cares whether we have it or not, mm-hmm. it's, it's not how much you make. I mean, it's nice to make millions and billions, but many people got to that point because of what they did with the dollars that they made. So I would su- I'm suggesting to everyone listening that maybe you don't become the millionaire, maybe. But let's say you get an insurance policy on yourself that when you transition from this earthly plane, you leave your children $100,000 a piece, or if you have one child, you leave that one child $300,000. And you leave that same child a house because that is how we historically have built wealth in this country is through property and the transference of that property. Remember, black people didn't own nothing, so they weren't able to transfer anything. 
So while others were owning and transferring and building, we were just here helping them. Now that we have the freedom to do that, it's a hampered freedom, definitely, but it's still more than what we had as slaves. We have to start building from wherever it is that we are, no matter how little that we have, so that the next generation will be in a better position, and then they will use that to better position the following generation. It only takes three generations in America to create a wealthy generation, really two. We can do it, but it's not going to happen overnight. And for those who, my, my Hotep brothers and sisters, my woke brothers and sisters that says, hey, Rodney, man, you need to focus on the dollar. Well, those businesses and corporations, when they're focusing on politics, when they're out there lobbying politicians, when they're donating money to that politician to get him or her elected, Oh, they're not doing it because they just like that person. They're doing it because it is a business decision. It impacts their bottom line. We need to get into that mindset is that politicians will impact our bottom line too. They are going to impact our life. We need to, like Brother Barry said, we, the citizen, is the elected official's employer. As a candidate, I am going through a job interview to become an employee of the people. What we need as people is to know what we want our employees to do. If we do not know what we want them to do, if we do not tell them what to do, think about a business that does not tell you what they want you to do when you come to work and then think about what you would do if no one told you and held you accountable. That is mm. our politicians today. Mm. Mm. You, man, you, you said it so elegantly, brother. And that, that definitely uh, is, is the main thing, you know, uh, you know, being in that position of, you know, nobody's, uh, nobody's holding anyone accountable in the ways that they should be held accountable. And that's that's what we're dealing with in this country. A lot of it is, and you know, the sad part about it, brother, is putting the generations first, and that's part of the habits that's changed. You know, we're not doing what's best for the children anymore. You know, the, the, the children are not, um, the children are not being put forth as first. Everything that's going on, it's, it's adult-centered. And we have to do what's best for our babies because that's the only way that we can never change the future. If we eat up everything now and we take everything away, and that's even from the income aspect, if all the wealth is being held by the adults now and all that money is being spent, what do we leave our children? And then if you think those billionaires, they're not having children, <laughs> they're not. A lot of them don't have children. Uh, they don't have families like the billionaires of old and the millionaires of old. We're talking about people who may have one or two children. If that, Brother Rodney. And if you think about how everybody's died from cancer and all other diseases that's uncurable, doesn't mean that your one or two children are going to make it long. So where does this money go? It goes to other billionaires and other corporations, and that's what happens. That money never comes back to the federal government. So... Uh, 
I'm glad you did this show today because, uh, you know, the redistribution of wealth, it's, it's about time. It's about time we start taking up the, mant- the mantle of what Dr. King was focusing on towards the end of his uh, life. And it's an old saying, you know, when the music changes, the dance needs to switch. And we've been dancing the same old dance, and we haven't switched the dance yet. But we need to. That's something that needs to change. That's something that needs to switch because it's about time that we start producing a healthier society for everyone involved. Now, of course, as being African-American, I want us to get ours first because I don't believe in uh, the, the saying everything being even. And since we're operating from a deficit, we have a lot more that needs to be caught up on because of our disposition in this country. But as far as everyone else, I want, uh, you know, I, want a, I want a healthy society for everyone. But I definitely want my people to get ours, you know? You know, Brother Barry, we, we're going to have to close out because actually since I am uh, campaigning, there's a meeting that I need to, to get to. But I did want to leave the people with a, a few more facts. And this is one about minority. Minority is a designation that is supposed to be provide protection for the least of these in our country. And blacks were minorities. And then Latino, Hispanics, and other groups, women, uh, various groups got lumped into the minority, uh, well, with a minority handle. But Mm -hmm. we see that those other groups have benefited where blacks have not. And oftentimes blacks have helped those other groups because, hey, we're in the same boat, right? Well, let me help you. But all too often, when they get into the yacht, we're still in the rowboat. Right. But yet, they still say we should help them. So this is Mm -hmm. something that is critically important. In 20, I believe it was 2015, white Christians in America became a minority group. 2015, white Christians in America became a minority group. So if black people have to compete with white Christians as minorities, who do you think Mm. is going to win? Because Mm. they have so much already. So we need Mm. to consider that, and we need to push, and you need to push your your politician at every level. As a matter of fact, before Mm. you give him or her your vote, that black people, African Americans, need their own protected class not just minority, but the data needs to be broken down into, okay, we have federal set-aside. Oftentimes, companies will say they met their requirements, but they met their requirements with almost everyone else but black people because they don't have to do it with black people because they can do it with other groups that fall under minority. So we have to set the things up so that black people specifically are, are protected and have access to some of these things that they're otherwise shut out, shut out of and so that there's data that can prove that black people are being shut out. Otherwise, we will continue to be told that, oh, well, we met our minority quota or we followed the letter of the law and we have minority working on this federal project or that federal project. It is simply right. not the case because it is minority. I also wanted to mm. leave you all with this. When it comes to the strength of a country, 
a country begins to falter when there is a wealth disparity that reaches a certain point. In America, we have already exceeded that point. And what I mean Mm. by that is the majority of the people spend the most money. Billionaires have the money, but they don't spend what they have. People, the everyday person, they're the ones who are spending and they're the ones who are contributing to the economy, and they're the ones who put money in motion. Money has to be in motion. If we don't have the money to put in motion, and if the capitalist class don't have to spend their money because they pretty much have everything they need, they need it with the first one or two billion, that means that the overall economy will eventually begin to suffer. You see, mm. every 10 years in America, Usually there is a recession of some type. We are due for another recession. The capitalist class will not be hurt nowhere near mm. as the middle and poor class because we have no, no buffer. And mm. when those companies need a bailout again, that bailout will come on top of the back of those who bailed them out previously. Know your mm. issues. Hold your elected officials accountable with your vote by telling them if they do not support these things, and not just in words when they're running, but in legislation once they are elected. That's how you hold them accountable. That's how you change things. If you have some coins to throw at them as they're going through the process, by all means do so. Don't feel like you're wasting your money because when that corporate Robert Barron, as Brother Barry calls him, is hiring those lobbyists to go buy those dinners for those congressmen and senators on the behalf of the capitalist class. In their mind, it is money well spent. How are you spending your money, and what are you spending your money for? And at the end of the day, what is the result? Well, Brother Barry, if you can close us out with your last uh, comment. Before yeah, I just want to show. I just want to thank Brother Rodney for inviting me onto the show. Uh, good luck on the race. I, I have to get out to Vegas, man, during this time. I know the last campaign I wasn't out there, but I got to get out there for at least a couple of days to help you out. Uh, I, I want to say to the people that's listening and will be listening on a um, on podcast. Here's the thing: it's simple. Um, you know, when the, the the best thing that you can do for your family is to pass on generational wealth and not debt. And I know it sounds like a lot, but it's pretty simple if you really think about it. The main thing that you want to do, and I'll tell anybody, I'm not a big fan of politics head on, but I know it's a part of the chessboard that can't be ignored. So you got to understand what's going on in your local precincts. So you got to understand, even if it's a pawn, you still got to move that pawn. You got to set up your defense. The other side of it too is you have to look at your habits and ask what can be cut out and what could be maintained, and start looking at creating something that's going to get you some money. We always push our people for a job, but me and Brother Rodney have been on this for a while. I'll say it again. Every family needs to have a family business, and the reason why you need this family business is because this family business will allow you to do a couple of things. There's taxes. One of them is write-offs. The other thing is to pass down wealth. And when Brother Rodney said these billionaires don't spend money, 
everything that they eat off of is corporate expense. They're mm-hmm. paid. They take with them. They're not spending anything out of their own pockets for these flights uh, to different places, to staying in these hotels, to even eating on a day-to-day basis. They make sure when they eat, it's a corporate dinner. They make sure it goes on a corporate credit card, and that gets written off. So you have to learn the game, you have to play the game, and you have to play it wisely. And you know, at the same time, you have to make sure that you are being engaged in all spectrums and make sure. I want to say this to my brothers and sisters who are doing all right for themselves in their mind, who don't have a significant other, who don't have any children. Listen, you are not wealthy without these things. You are just not. You have to change your mindset. These are investments. These are things that you need to invest in to make yourself whole. No one takes you serious without them. And thank you, Brother Rodney, for uh, having me on once again. Hey, Brother Barry, thank you so much for participating in the show today. Uh, big shout-out to my homegirl, Mrs. Angela Thomas. Today is her birthday. I think she turned 27 all over again for about the 20th time, said. something like that. And uh, hopefully she'll be back on the airway soon. Uh, we're going to try to keep the show going at least weekly, even if we have to pre-record some shows to get them out there. There's plenty that needs to be talked about, but we just don't want to talk about it. We want to act on it because if we don't, somebody else surely is. The idea is to not just be in the stand buying concessions and buying the ticket to get in. The idea is to be on the field making the move that makes a difference mm. in the long term. Mm. So this is, you all have been listening to Our Own Voices Live. Today's topic was billionaires earned enough money to end extreme poverty seven times over, and that was just in one year. Think about mm-hmm. that, you all. Seven times over, and they did it in one year. So when you see those people homeless on the street, when you see people in those soup lines, know Mm. that it is not because of a lack of wealth in this country. Mm. It's just that you don't have it. Hey, everybody, Mm. thank you so much for listening to Our Own Voices. We'll be back at you coming soon. Uh, Send us messages. Go to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook. Let us know what you think about the show. To my brothers and sisters who are woke, to my brothers and sisters who are readers of the Quran, please share with us what you think about what we talked about today. Help educate us and also keep your minds open so that maybe we can educate you too. Hey, brother, I'm out. Peace. All right, peace, brother.